our call to worship today, Psalm 104 through verse 18. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great, who are clothed with honor and majesty, who cover yourself with light, as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds of his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. You who laid the foundations of the earth, so that it should not be moved forever. You covered it with the deep, as with the garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hastened away. They went up over the mountains. They went down into the valleys, to the place which you founded for them. You have set a boundary that they may not pass over, that they may not return to cover the earth. He sends the springs into the valleys. They flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. By them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. He waters the hills from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he planted where the birds make their nest. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high hills are for the wild goats. The cliffs are a refuge for the rock badgers. And so we pray, Lord, that you would be with our time today. Bless our worship. Be with us. Send your Holy Spirit that we would worship you in spirit and in truth and glorify you in all things, and that our worship would be pleasing, and that our hearts would be pure before you. We pray this in your Son's precious and holy name. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, you servants of the Lord. Let us turn to our scripture reading in the Old Testament. We'll be looking at, uh, on page 744 of your pew Bible, Daniel 7. Verses 1 through 14. And here is the word of the Lord. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea. Different from one another, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked as its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the man, mind of a man was given to it, and behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side, it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful, and exceedingly strong, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, 
and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, his wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then, because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, O Ancient of Days, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we're grateful that that you've given us so much and you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear and have blessed us spiritually and physically and uh, and given us a, a family to come and worship with. And we are thankful for the work of your Son who is our righteousness, who came uh, to die for our sin upon that cross and whose righteousness is, is, is imputed to us, Lord, and as our sin is, is cast upon Him on the cross and, and, and we are seen as righteous before Your eyes that, that our, uh, His works are, are seen as, as our works, He fulfilled all righteousness for us, Lord. And how wonderful that is to know and to understand that, that He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That the just shall live by faith and we're grateful for that faith you give us which, which we use to apprehend the truth of Christ. We praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells in all of us who trust in you and who counsels us and teaches us, convicts us and grows us in Christ and weaves us together as a church with all of our gifts and blesses our, our, our work for your glory, Lord. And we thank you just for this opportunity to come and worship you in a land that still gives us the freedom to worship you and come together in spirit and in truth and, and raise up our, our praises to you and as, as you uh, speak to us through your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with our, our prayers, our supplications, Lord. Those that, that are spoken here and also those in our hearts that have not been spoken. And you, uh, you are happy when we all come together, Lord, and, 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 and seek your face. And we do that today, Lord. We pray that you would, you would truly cleanse us of all sin and unrighteousness. Turn our, hearts completely to you, Lord. Help us to have a clean heart. Wash us in the blood. Help us to come to you and, and worship, be able to worship you purely through the power 
of the Holy Spirit, we know that if we do confess our sin, Lord, your word tells us you are faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we, we stand in that truth with a pure heart, worshiping you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be with all of those who could not be here today, who are unable to attend. Bless them and, and help them to know we are thinking of them and that our fellowship is with them. And we pray for the mission works of the RCUS in Montana and Omaha and in any that are being planned. Bless the, the men and the uh, leading the, the congregation, the pastors and 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 their elders and and the, the team they have around them and just everyone in the everyone in the congregation, Lord, that, that they would they would be a light shining. But they would not hide the gospel of Christ, but it would shine forth and draw all people to them in their neighborhoods around them. That your kingdom would grow and flourish, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with all those who people in our lives that uh, who need your healing touch. You are pleased to do that, Lord. You are a great doctor, a great physician. And bless the hands of those who who would be with those who, who need your healing touch, Lord, doctors and caregivers, and also bless the families and, and comfort them. That people would see your power, Lord, and be drawn to you, and, and not just drawn to you because they see the, the great healing you have in your hands, but because they see the love you have for your people and they understand their need for Christ. We pray, Lord, for the pastoral search that that you would give the spiritual counsel, uh, the wisdom to, to find the man of God to bring here and that we as a congregation would would also be able to discern who that man is for our congregation and, and just bless the search according to your spirit, Lord. And we just pray that you would be with the persecuted church wherever it is at, whether it's in China or or Cuba, uh, in the Middle East. Help the gospel go forth, Lord, that people would would see your church and, and be drawn to it, and that you would tear down the persecutors, Lord, cast them aside, and, and let your gospel be freely proclaimed that, that people would flock to Christ, Lord, and just bless those who are being persecuted, Comfort them and keep them from harm and just help us to be a church that truly uh, seeks to see your kingdom advance and, and that we pray for those who are in prison and in chains, Lord, as if we were in prison and in chains, as your, as your word tells us. Some of the great work in Scripture was done by men who were unjustly imprisoned for the cause of Christ. Help us to remember them every day in all that we do. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with all those churches calling upon your name today, that your your word would be proclaimed and the people would hear it and rejoice. Help us to be glad in all things. 
And we pray that you are with the rest of service, Lord. Help us to be a people after your own heart. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Let us now turn in our few Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. That's page 839 in your pew Bibles, and we have now before us the Word of God. And it's, let us remember these words that Voltaire said before we get into our scripture. Voltaire told us it is impossible that Christianism survives. He proclaimed this in a letter to a friend in the 18th century. Voltaire also reportedly said that within a hundred years of his death, there will be no Bibles except for the sake of antiquity. Just a museum relic. That's a paraphrase. Well, let's measure the words of this professed atheist philosopher against what Christ said concerning his kingdom and his truth. So page 839 in your few Bibles, Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, His lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. So is the reading of the word of God. We praise you, Lord, that you've given us your word. Help us to truly have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would know your word and the power of your kingdom. And we pray this in your son's precious and holy name. So, Jesus here is talking about in the first few verses... Uh, Verses 21 through 25, he seems to maybe even be answering uh, a question that was asked by someone there or, or that he assumed might be asked. You know, how is, how is this working? Is your word really, uh, are you hiding it? And what Jesus is telling us here is that we have to have eyes and ears of faith. He speaks of the light. Who is the light? What are the eyes and ears of faith? And Christ is telling them that nothing's to be hidden under a basket. This gospel, he's been proclaiming it 
to multitudes and multitudes, huge crowds, swelling crowds, so big he has to jump in boats to preach to them. He's not hiding the Word of God. It's there for everyone if they want to hear. He is that light that is going out into the world. He is the light of the world. And he is shedding this light through his gospel and proclaiming it to all who would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Isaiah spoke of this, of of Christ being this light. John, in both his gospel, chapter 1, in the beginning, and in his first epistle, chapter 1, speaks of this light. We have to have eyes to see. Can we see the light? Jesus is casting it out there. He's not hiding it. So, we see that Christ is giving out His his Word and it's not because He is trying to be deceptive or, or, or not proclaim the truth in any way. Of course not. It is that people's hearts are hard. And who has eyes to see? Who has ears to hear? And so He is calling His disciples and His people to not only hear the light, I mean hear the Word, and be the light, but to shine it forth, not to themselves hide it under a a lampshade or put it under their bed. This is something that we need to allow the world, or at least those around us, to see in one way or another. Especially starting with with our families. That's our primary responsibility. Catechizing our children, teaching them the Word of God. And, and letting our neighbors know that uh, that we are Christians and we go to church every week and we uh, love the Word of God and we celebrate Christ in all He does and has done for us in our workplace and we can uh, we can pray for our co-workers when they come to us with uh, illnesses and problems and such and and these are just simple ways that the the ordinary Christian Let's Christ shine through them. The Christian is, is a lampstand around which people are drawn to as they let Christ shine through them. And this is this should be our general response out of a out of a heart of love for Christ, a thankful heart, and, and we're told that you know we're given a measure of faith, and the more we use that, the more we exercise it, the more faith we get, the 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 more Measure, we're measured out. The more it's heaped onto us. And this is a, a, a great reward. What greater reward could the Christian have than, than more faith, more understanding of God's Word, a deeper appreciation for Christ and all He has done? And He is going to push forth His kingdom whether we use our faith or or don't use our faith. This kind of speaks to the inevitability of of the kingdom of God advancing. He's going to do it with us or without us. 
So we need to exercise our faith. We need to run the race and finish the race with strength and vigor. We see Paul especially talk about this and and we uh, we go forth into the world and, 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 and even just within our homes and we uh, and we use our faith in myriad of ways and and let it grow. We exercise our muscles, they get bigger. We exercise our faith and it grows. And Jesus operates in a system that if you use it you get more. And if you're lazy, you get nothing. That's the way of the kingdom of God. Those who are content to sit on their faith have their reward. Christ does not reward laziness, spiritual lethargy in any way. And in fact, does it not reveal a lack of spiritual life in any way? But God, He rewards those who display their gratitude and He, he takes from those who show no gratitude whatsoever. And Christ is continually calling us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, so we, we see now that he, he turns to another parable. He says, The kingdom of God is if, is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So he returns to a parable and... In fact, you can kind of see how this builds upon the first parable, the parable of the sower. This man, and I do believe this is a man, I don't think this can be referring to Jesus Christ. Um, There are some that believe that verse 29 refers to the second coming when, when the harvest has come, but this can't be Christ because it talks about how he has no clue how the uh, operation of salvation works. So we see this is this is a picture of, of, of the Christian who has fertile soil in their heart. Their hearts have been given life by the Holy Spirit, and so they they gladly and gleefully spread the seed of the gospel. Just as a And this is just as a way of life for them. This does not mean that they're uh, an evangelist standing on the street corner uh, barking out the gospel. This is just a picture of that that regular man, that sower, and most everybody here would have been uh, understanding that this is this is what they do. This is they're farmers. It's an agrarian rural society and. And it would all be familiar with casting seed on the ground. And he just he just goes about his business. And we see that this is this parable is about God's secret working in salvation. Because he does not know how how this seed grows and, and how this whole process 
uh, works. I mean, he understands he has to throw the seed, plant the seed, and, and nurture it. But how it sprouts and grows, he doesn't understand. This is, you know, beyond his pay grade, as, as we may have heard others speak. And so we, we see that this is the secret working of, of Christ and the Holy Spirit and salvation, where the Holy Spirit goes where he will. And no one knows how the Spirit works as, as Jesus speaks about in John chapter 3 to, to Nicodemus. You know, have you ever heard anyone say, uh, or have you ever saved anyone, I should ask? Have you ever saved anyone? And the answer to that is, is no. Yet we, I've seen people, heard people say that they, in effect, saved someone. They gave them the gospel and they believed and so, you know, yeah, well, yeah, I was, you know, well, yeah, Jesus helped, but, you know, I saved them. I mean, I gave them the gospel there. And that's just not real. We cannot save anybody. It's all a work of Christ. And have you ever seen someone saved gasped in wonder at their salvation. Someone that you thought was, was, was far beyond what we consider the, the ability to be saved, just a total sinner, reprobate, evil. And then one day you, you see in their they love Christ. How did that happen? And likewise, you see someone that you thought, man, you know, they're with it. They know Jesus. I want to be like them. And then, then the next day you see and they're, and they're gone. They've repudiated Christ. They've turned away from the Gospel. We just don't know how the Spirit works. Likewise, when you're sharing the Gospel... You know, you might share the gospel with someone and, or speak about Christ often with them and they just seem receptive. I know this happened to me many times. You think these guys really are, uh, this person might not be a Christian now, but you can just see that the Spirit's working in them. But they just, they're just being polite. They just want to be your friend. And so they're not going to, you know, uh, shake their heads and, and, and signal to you that they're not interested in Christ. You know, they're just being polite though. They're being courteous. They don't really give a rip. And then you'll see that throughout the years. As they have no desire for Christ, and yet there might be another person in, in, in your workplace or wherever you're at that, that is hostile to the gospel. And when you talk about Christ, they, they say nasty things. They blaspheme or just run away, walk away. And then one day, there they are asking you who Christ is and seeking to know Christ. So we start to see the gospel producing fruit in their lives. And then someday you share Christ with them and, and they trust in the Lord. And they truly are born again. 
We just don't have a, a, a clue how the Spirit works in the heart of man. All we know is that out of a loving, generous heart, we are to spread the seed of faith that Christ would use it to turn them to Him. And so, we turn to the, the kingdom of the the parable of the mustard seed of, of the growing kingdom and where we kind of see the, the how of salvation in the uh, parable of the growing seed and the how is, well, we don't really know other than we cast out the seed, we try and water it a little bit and we see what happens, we see what the Spirit does. The parable of the mustard seed is, is more of the what and the where of the kingdom of God, the total inevitability of the spread of the kingdom of God. It is here that we learn that, that, that Christ wins. No one can stop Christ. Not Voltaire nor, uh, nor anybody else. The gates of hell as I like to continually say, will not prevail against the gospel of of Jesus Christ. And yet we read, uh, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. So this this great spreading kingdom, how does it start? Like the tiniest of the herb seeds. Imperceptible almost. Irrelevant. You just imagine this sower who has a, a fertile heart for Christ and who's been casting out the seed. He's casting out all kinds of different seed and he casts out this mustard seed and it's just the, the tiniest of the seeds he's casting out there. And there's other seeds that are large and, and, and you see them right away and they, and they grow into beautiful herbs and vegetables. And the mustard seed, though, it it starts as almost nothing. And this is surely Christ speaking of the work he's come to do and how his kingdom starts. Remember Genesis 3, when God is rebuking the serpent, what does he say? the seed of the woman, you will fight at his heel, yet he will crush your head. Christ is is the seed of the gospel. He is the seed that is planted and he dies 
immediately after his death, what happens? The disciples are, are, are distraught. They despair. As well as, as all those others around him that were expecting this, this great victory to come marching through Jerusalem and casting out the Romans. Instead, he dies on a cross and the Satan rejoices. He's bitten his heel. He thinks that he's defeated him for good. And the world just went on. And there's no doubt that the Voltaires of that day said, yeah, you see, that's with no big deal. We told you. It's just another prophet. Yet this was the seed which was bringing victory to the world. A seed which no one could hardly see which was going to expand beyond anything they could even imagine and it grows bigger and bigger than all the other herbs. Christ himself said that, that unless a grain, a seed, dies, that life cannot come forth, cannot spring forth. And he was predicting his death and his, his kingdom's growth and, and this is true. And, and we do see this even, even in our gardens. We plant seeds, the seed dies, and then what springs from it is life. One seed produces multitudes of seeds which, which go, go on to produce more and more. We've got a tree in our yard that produces the whirly bird things. And every day, a couple times a week, i got to go down there and cut down stupid little trees that all came from one seed. And this, this seed becomes so large as it grows in, into the largest of the, of the herbs. It can grow 10, 12 feet high and the birds can make their nest in it and And life just continues to be protected and nurtured from this one little seed. It spreads and becomes a refuge for the birds of the air. And, and when we look at Christ, He died. He went into the bowels of the earth. He went into hell itself. But the tomb was empty on that third day. And even then, the disciples didn't understand what was going on. Not until He appeared to them. And so this little seed is uh, still in its formative days. And, and then the disciples come to understand what's going on. And Jesus emboldens His disciples. And there's probably 25 of them in the upper room in, in the book of Acts. And then through the the, the power of the Spirit. You see, 3,000 people come to faith at Pentecost as Peter preaches to them about the, the necessity of, of turning to Christ and trusting in Him. The seed of the woman has blossomed now to 3,000 and then 5,000 more. 
and Satan is crushed and the world is turned upside down through the proclamation of the gospel. And in fact, how big was this, this, this tree that sprung forth from the seed? I mean, just look at the end of your Bible, the last 20 books. Romans. That's written to Italy. 1st, 2nd Corinthians. Greece. Galatians. Uh, Asia Minor, Turkey. Go on and on and on. The seven churches in the book of Revelation that were in Asia and Macedonia and all other places where the gospel had spread in 50 years. That's incredible. That's unfathomable that, that from the death of this man would spring forth salvation to the nations. But that's what Christ promised here. That was with His death. Him going into the bowels of the earth would come the salvation of the nations. And so with many such parables, He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. And, and, and it's just like Jesus to explain to those who have ears to hear what's going on. And so we, we need to see that. We need to use the, let the Spirit use our eyes and our ears to learn more about Christ. And what's that mean? That means when we read the Scriptures and we don't understand something, what do we do? We pray. We see Christ, ask Him, what, what is this? You know, 90, 95% of Scripture is, is pretty plain, pretty easy to understand. But Christ has, has given us other men and women of God that can help us understand what's being said. We can go to a friend, to a pastor, even do a commentary, and see what the Word of God is saying about something. And we grow in that knowledge. We grow in the faith. And, and God measures out more faith to us as we understand and, and glory in understanding His Word. You know, we should all be in relationships where maybe we're discipling someone and we're being discipled by another. And so we're constantly answering questions and asking questions. Because, you know, we all need to know the wisdom of the Lord. And none of us knows it all. We can't. But we need to have eyes to see and, and we have to have ears to hear to learn the truth of the Word of God. And even so, as, as we use our eyes and our ears to grow in the Lord and to spread the Gospel as we can, we leave the results with God. And, and, and we can water the seed that we planted with prayer and, and let God be God and do the work. And as it said, this, the, the sower would sleep and rise night and day. He would go about his day. The pressure's not on us. We can't save anybody. It's not possible. It's not up to us. 
but Christ is mighty to save. And as we spread the seeds of the Word of God, He will work. And we need to rest in the knowledge that God's kingdom triumphs. Christ is the seed that overcomes the world. And we know that. And that should cause us to be able to go to sleep at night, rest our heads on the pillow, and get a good night's sleep. So, we know that Voltaire has now been dead for well over 200 years. Within 50 years of his death, the great atheist Voltaire, there was a printing press that he had which was now used by a Bible society to print Bibles. The Bible, he said, would be a relic was being produced from his very own printing press. And even more, this Christianity, he said, would be dead. It has grown far beyond what it was in his day. We now know that there are more Christians in China. I mean, it's not a Christian nation, but it's a, million, a billion and a half people, and there's more Christians in China than any other nation in the world. South Korea is a Christian nation. Nations all over the world that Voltaire maybe didn't even know about have had the seed of the gospel buried deep into them. So Voltaire is still dead. But Christ is not. Christ is risen from the dead and his fame and kingdom spread all to the glory of God the Father. And we'll end with this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things which I have taught you. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Amen. We praise you, Christ, that your kingdom rules. Please help us to be faithful. Measure us more and more faith, Lord, as we seek your face. And may people come to know you. May we be a bright light shining, drawing people to you, that your kingdom would grow. And we pray this in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.